Looks like our students are really excited. Just, this is something I said. Now, Jay is, uh, he is being very intentional with our students, taking them over and um, teaching over there this morning. I'm excited about uh, this new series that we're starting today. Uh, a series looking at the issue of being a disciple. Someone might say, Joel, you, you've taught on that recently. You're accurate. In fact, I teach on this often. If there's one thing in my ministry that I'm convicted, under conviction about, it is making sure that each one of us who call ourselves a follower of Jesus, that we know what we're supposed to be about, that we know what we're, look, we're supposed to look like. I'm afraid that churches are filled with people. They're filled with Christians who don't know what a disciple of Christ is supposed to look like. See, our society, our culture has come up with their definition of the word Christian. You you realize that the word Christian is in the New Testament three times. The word disciple is in the New Testament, depending upon your translation, 261 times. It is very clear what a disciple of Jesus is supposed to look like. So I'm, hey, I'm going to start this year, this year that is full of promise and opportunity for every one of us in this room. And I want to make sure that we have an understanding of what we're aiming at. I just spent the last five years of my life focused in doing study and research on this issue of discipleship. So, Joel, you taught on this. You're right. And I'm going to teach on it again. Because I will not be found guilty of letting the people that God has called me to shepherd not know what they're supposed to look like and aim for in their journey of faith. So I've got this picture of a fingerprint. thought about doing a retinal scan, but that idea didn't work out so well on a slide. Uh, But fingerprints... I can take a fingerprint of any one of you in this room, and if it, isn't, if it doesn't matter if it's in a database or not, it is unique to you. There's not another person on the planet ever has been or ever will be that has a fingerprint just like yours. You are wonderfully and uniquely made. You realize that identical twins don't share identical fingerprints. Their DNA is the same, but... Their fingerprints are different. It is unique to you. So we could take your fingerprint and identify you. That's, there's no question, that's Mitch. Mitch was here touching those drumsticks and sitting in that hot box. Is it hot in there? I've always wondered if it was really It's got a fan, but anyway. There's no question that Greg was holding that guitar because we could go lift fingerprints off of that guitar and know that it was Greg Baker holding that guitar. There are things about a follower of Christ, a disciple, that uniquely mark them, separate them. We just say, consecrate me. It separates us. People can see it. That that dude follows Jesus. And there are markers that we're not coming up with just good ideas We're going to be looking at the words of Jesus. 
You cannot be my follower unless you do this. This is how the world will know that you are one of my disciples, how you love one another. I mean, so we're going to be looking at the man himself and his words over the next seven weeks, the identity, how to identify a disciple. Fingerprints are, are a crazy thing. I could go into a bunch of details about loops and whorls and arches and how the, how the print on your, on your finger either slopes towards your pinky or it slopes towards your thumb. I mean, there's just there's crazy things about our fingerprint that is unique to you. And the same is true about you as a disciple of Jesus. It's one of my prayers, and it has been over, over the last months as I've been praying through where God wanted me to, to teach to start this year. It's one of my goals that 2020 for every one of us would be a year like no other. That it be a year of growth for you personally, like no other year you've ever experienced. See, not only do I believe 2020 holds promise and opportunity for our church, I believe it does for you as well. Some of you have gone through a difficult season. 2019 was a year you want to forget. But 2020 is a new day. And I believe God has something grand Something great in store for us. And it is critical that we enter this year knowing without any question what he expects of me, one of his disciples. What he expects from you, one of his children, one of his followers. So we're going to be using the word disciple a lot. What does the word disciple mean? I'll give you some data, information comes from the Greek word mathetes. It means to learn. It, 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 it describes a person who learns from another by instruction, whether that's formal instruction or informal. Discipleship carries that idea of one who intentionally learns, write that word down, intentional, intentionally learns by inquiry or observation of another. So check this out. Mathetes, or disciple, describes a person who is an adherent to an instructor. Someone who not only takes information in, but also wants to live a life that looks like his instructor. I think it was, I don't even want to go, I can't remember which one's first, Plato or Socrates, but they wanted to live, they wanted to look like their instructor. See, we disciple, we disciple all the time. In, in, no, in different categories, whatever, I'm sure that already Sean Tucker is discipling his daughter in how to appropriately dress as a Dallas Cowboy fan. I see him model it all the time. Uh, we disciple all the time. But... But I want us to be clear what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So, we have a, an academic definition there, one who learns from another. But I want to give us a definition for this series. And it's this, it's on your outline. 
disciple. A disciple of Jesus is one who learns from Jesus and lives for Jesus. That's why it's important that you and I, we get into our Bibles daily, that we read it daily. Church, listen, I get excited about this, man. Even if it's just a verse, it's important that we get into God's Word every day. How are we going to learn from Him unless we get into it? You know, you'll notice that this Bible is shiny, the, the pages are... It's, it's, I've had this on my shelf for quite some time, but you'll know, some of you know, it's a practice of mine that when I enter into different seasons of life, I get a new Bible, and I start taking notes of different things that the Lord is teaching me. The end game for me in that, you may wonder, is one day I want to pass on these swords to my children and my grandchildren. In the same way that my dad has passed on to me the sword, his Bible, that he preached out of my entire life growing up. It's, it's in its either second or third cover on it, but inside of it are his notes, his handwritten notes and underlines, and, and, and I want to do that with my kids and my grandkids. So whether this is the one that I stick with, I'm not sure yet, but I want to be in it because I want to learn from my teacher, Jesus. Church, listen, it's important. If you don't take anything else away today, it's important to be in God's word. You don't need different philosophies. You don't need different opinions. What we need is the truth of God's holy, ancient words. We need it. So so we need to learn from him, but then we need to turn the corner and live for him. I have hidden, say this verse with me, I have hidden your word in my heart, what? That I might not sin, that I, the way I live may not be sin against you. I take in your word that I might not sin against you. Listen, a, a disciple is one who learns from and lives for Jesus. Is that a description of you? In 2020, it's been my prayer for you that every one of us would grab a hold of that and say, that's me. As I write down my goals, and I'm encouraging every person in this room, every person watching online, to write down some goals. Aim for something. Don't just go into this year aiming at nothing, because I promise you'll hit it. Aim for something. This year, I'm going to make it a point. I'm going to be intentional. I already had to write that word down. I'm going to be intentional to learn from. I'm going to be in his word. I'm going to, I'm going to memorize a verse a week. Joe, I'm not real good at memorizing verses, man. I just can't, I can't do it. I've tried it and I can't do it. I don't agree with you. I bet you get in the car and sing word-for-word word songs that are on the radio. Huh? Joe, I don't listen to classical music. Okay. <laughs> you can memorize. At the end of this year, that's 52 verses that you'll have tucked away in your heart. You can do it. We must be in God's word. As a disciple of his, we learn from him and we live for him. We meditate upon his word. Hey, take a verse this week, this coming week. If you don't have one, come see me. I'll give you a dry erase marker. And write it on the mirror in your bathroom. A verse that you can just chew on all week. What's in this for me today? Man, in light of everything that happened yesterday at work, what does this verse have for me today? And meditate on it. Like a cow chews on his cud, chew on God's word and just, mm, 
and get that flavor out of it and get that nutrition and nourishment out of it and just chew on it. Next week, hey, by the way, at the end of that week of meditating on a verse, you'll have it memorized. Just chew on it. As a disciple, we learn from and we live for. Now, let me check, check on a couple of things. I have, I have a spot on your, on your outline there. I gave it, I don't know why I entitled this, The Identifying Characteristics of a Disciple. For the next seven weeks, we're going to look at different things that Jesus said about what it is to be his disciple. But I want to mention real quick, I want you to write these down. There's some things that are in common for every one of them in my life and in your life. The first one is this. It's to, be a, it's to be observable. People can see it. If people can't see it in you, are you really doing it? Do you realize that your walk with the Lord is extremely personal? I mean, that's churchy language. We, have, you, have you invited Jesus into your heart to have a personal relationship with him? I mean, that's kind of churchy language that we use. It's a personal relationship. But it was never meant to be private. Oh man, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. I mean, it's to be outseen. People ought to be able to see it. People ought to be able to see it. I took English one time. <laughs> the first thing that's common with all these things that we're going to talk about, and by the way, today's just an introduction to this series as people ought to be able to see it in you and me. The second is this. These are entry-level standards. These are norms. These are not advanced settings. These are not characteristics that, that we're going to be looking at each week that, ah, Joel, I hope to attain that one day. Listen, whether you've been walking with the Lord for 70 years or if you became a follower of Christ yesterday, these are standards that God expects to see in my life and in your life. These are not advanced. These are entry-level things. Watchman Nee, an author maybe you've heard of, he talks about Galatians 2.20 and how that verse is descriptive of the normal Christian life. It says this, Paul's, Paul writes to the, uh, to the churches of Galatia. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is I. I. I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's not some superstar Christian. That's the norm. I've been crucified, man. It's, it's not me anymore. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the norm. So check this out. All these characteristics that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks ought to be seen by others. It's the norm. And the third is this. You will be swimming upstream in our culture. It's counterculture. When you start loving your enemy, when you start praying for those who persecute you, I'm just telling you, the world is going to go, what are you doing? Who are you and what are you thinking? Why are you... You will stand out in, your, in our culture when you and I, this year, 2020, 
a year of promise and opportunity for every one of us. When we start living these out, because we have a clear understanding of what a disciple is, we're not just coming up with something that, that the world has said, this is how Christians are supposed to act. You know, there are some churches. I would not be allowed in the door wearing what I'm wearing. Because that's not how Christians are supposed to dress. Huh? See, people have come up with their own definitions of what a Christian is and what a Christian is supposed to look like, dress like, talk like, act like. So you can come up with your own definition of Christian. We're going to be talking specifically about a disciple. And in 2020, man, my prayer is that every one of us will set a goal, man. I'm going to live from, learn from and live for my Jesus. I'm going to look like him more this year than I ever have before. Whether you're a new believer or one that's been walking with him for a long time, I'm praying this year that you grow like you've never grown before. This is a new year. Well, I want to get into our text. It's a story that you're familiar with. It comes out of Luke chapter 5. If you'll turn there with me. We have our Bibles, right? I think I forgot to say today, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, take it out. Yeah. Luke chapter 5. If you're able, I'm going to read a passage. If you're able, will you stand with me in honor of reading God's word? Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. God's word says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep water and let's let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, um, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in other boats to come and help them. They came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Father, I ask that your word would penetrate deep into our hearts today. That this would be a story to remind us of who you are and what you expect of us. Lord, I pray that we would be followers, followers of you like we have never been before. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So when we follow Jesus... 
just want to make a few observations out of this in, in the next hour. When we follow Jesus, we will be asked to do things that make no sense. Makes no sense. Jesus was in the boat, got done teaching. He looked over at Simon and said, hey, why don't you push out and let's go out in the deep water. Throw out your nets for a catch. Now, climb into the story for a second. That boy had been fishing all night long. Didn't catch a thing. Came back home, cleaning his nets, mending them. And Jesus says, throw, them, throw your nets back out. <laughs> now, now, Luke writes it very nicely. But in Joel's world, <laughs> hey, Jesus, hey, man, you're a great teacher. But I do this for a living. I know how to catch fish. I know where those, those fish travel in this sea. I know their routes, where their feeding pattern. I know, man. We were out last night, all night. You know how many we caught? Zero. And you want me to throw the net back out. That makes no sense. But at your word. Check it out. Verse 5. But at your word, I will let down the net. You ever had a but at your word moment in your life? You know who came straight to mind for me when I started thinking about but at your word moments. J. Lloyd. Interesting that he stepped out. I told him, I'm talking about you today. He said, that's good, then I'm leaving. <laughs> I approached Jay about being our youth pastor. <laughs> wow. I'll pray about it. That's all I asked him to do, pray about it. It made no sense. But at your word, I'll let down the net. And today, that dude is doing a great job with our students. Mom and dads need to pat that boy on his shoulder and say, you're doing a good job. Because he's feeding them the truth. Dude was was up here Friday night doing Nerf War games with students. I came up for, Catherine and I came up here for a while, and we were just like, it is so good to have a youth guy that'll do this, because I'm so past <laughs> my youth ministry days. But at your word, he let down his net, and we're blessed. By his obedience to that but at your word moment, huh? Hey, how about Abraham and Isaac? Abraham, needs you to take your son up there on that mountain. Sacrifice him unto the Lord. <laughs> what? I thought I heard you say you wanted me to take my only son, the one that I love, up on that mountain and sacrifice him. Yeah, that's what I said. That makes no sense. He's the promised child you said that I would have in but at your word, I'll let down my nets. Hey, Moses, 
standing at the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army behind him. And there's the Red Sea. Hey, Moses, take your staff, lift it up. Makes no sense. And the people walk through on dry ground. Joshua, standing at the city of Jericho. Hey, Joshua, take the people. Seven times. Makes no sense. Have you ever had a but at your, mo- at your word moment in your life? This year, check this out, church. Come on, listen. This year, a year full of promise and opportunity when God whispers something into your ear, when he whispers something to your heart, I pray that we would be a people. It's okay to recognize this makes no sense, but that we would be a people that say, but at your word, I'll let down my net. When you see a need in the children's ministry to help out and take care of those children, that's so far outside my gift set. It makes no sense for me to do that. But when God puts that on your heart, that you would be a person that says, but that's your word. When you face a difficult situation and God says, this is the way I want you to go, but that's your word. See, when we follow Jesus, we'll be asked to do some things that make no sense. And it's my prayer that, myself included, we would be quick to say, I'll let down my nets because you said so. Second thing I want to point out. When we follow Jesus, we will surrender all. And some of you already recognize the title to that hymn. Look at verse 8 real quick. But when Simon Peter saw it, talking about the catch... He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Then jump down to verse 11. When they pulled the boats to dry land, they left everything. They left everything. Hmm. Yeah, it needs to be a reminder for me and a reminder for all that He wants all of me, and he wants all of you, not just part. See, this series, each week when we look at these characteristics each week, you and I will have the opportunity to to say, I surrender all, even that. We also have the opportunity to say, no, I ain't surrendering that part. I'll surrender part of me, but not all of me. And if that be, hey, listen, there's people that say that. If that be the case, if we, if we come across one of these things that Jesus says, man, this is what it is to be one of my disciples, and you say, I, I can't do that. I'm going to let you work that out with God. I'll talk to him about it. God, this, this is hard for me. This is difficult for me, and I don't know that I can commit to that. I need you to talk to God about that. He's not afraid of those conversations. He's not. I just want to read the words to this great hymn. Some of you have it memorized. I'm I'm not going to sing it, so relax. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live. All to Jesus, I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. 
Take me, Jesus. Take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me, Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. I surrender all. Say it with me. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Hey, listen, when we follow Jesus, we're going to ask to do things that make no sense. And we're going to come to a place where we have to make a, a decision. I surrender all or not. Third thing I want to point out out of this. And by the way, when I say surrender, I'm not talking about getting saved again. Some of, some of you in this room surrendered your heart to Jesus years ago. I'm not talking about surrendering your life again as to be saved again. Uh, once saved, always saved. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. When we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and uh, the promised Spirit comes and seals us. He seals us. So I'm not talking about being saved again. I'm talking about tomorrow morning when you go to the office, surrender all. I'm talking about those business conversations you have this week. When you're dialing that phone number, I surrender all, even this conversation. That's what we're talking about. See, being a disciple is not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a life group thing. It's an I surrender all thing. When we follow Jesus, he'll give us a new purpose. Look at verse 10, the last part of verse 10. Jesus turned to Simon and said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be fisher. You will be catching men. Do you know why God put you in Centennial Aurora? In 2020, why are you here? What, what is your purpose? Jeremiah the prophet says, I know. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Will you talk to God about it if you're not sure? Plan to prosper you, not harm you. 2020 is full of promise and opportunity. A year where we make it a point to be intentional to learn from and live for Jesus. But when we follow Jesus, he'll give us a new purpose. This purpose that is given to Peter here is one that applies to us. Fishing for men. The Greek form of this word, men, indicates men and women. Matthew records Jesus' final words at the end of his gospel account. Go ye therefore unto all nations and make disciples. There's not a disciple of Christ that can avoid or is exempt from that statement. Following Jesus will take us to new places. Verse 11. They left everything and followed him. 
So church, as we jump into this series, um, I, I really want to encourage you to sit down and write out some goals for this year, some things to aim at. How do you want to grow personally? How do you want to grow intellectually this year? Physically, how do you want to grow? Huh? I, I passed my 50 workout mark at, at uh, Orange Theory last week and have lost 27 pounds in those 50 workouts. I set a goal to lose another 27 in the next 50. It just gives me something to aim at. What are you aiming at? Joel, I hadn't even thought about setting some goals. Think about it now and write them down. I would even love for you to email me some of your goals. Share them with me. Just aim at something. But church, as we look into God's word and things that Jesus specifically said about his disciples, let's aim at these each week. Let's just add it to it. I want to make sure as your pastor that you know what we're aiming for and not some made-up definition of the word Christian, but a clear understanding of what Jesus says, this is what my disciple looks like. And I expect it of every one of them. Deal? Deal. If you <clears throat> would like prayer over this coming year, I want to meet you right here. Okay? Um, I'm assuming that that, there will probably be more than just one person. Not, uh, you may be facing things in 2020 that you're not sure about. I just want to pray over you. If you've made a decision today to, to recommit your life to Christ, you've been headed in this direction, away from God, and today's the day, Joel, I'm starting clean, I'm starting fresh, I want to recommit my heart to Jesus today. And I, I'd like to share that with, with you. Please come tell me. You can tell me while we're singing, Jan and the praise team, if y'all want to make your way up. Uh, or you can come tell me at the meet and greet time. Either way, I just want to celebrate that with you. But let's pray and, and uh, we'll conclude for today. Father, we come before you. As people that are serious about being your disciple, being a follower of yours, Lord, we're not looking for any made-up definitions of the word Christian. We're looking for clear descriptions and how to identify a disciple. So, Lord, we pray in the coming weeks that you would, as we sang earlier, open the eyes of our heart because we want to see you and we want to be more like you. Lord, as we sing in response to, to your word this morning, I pray that uh, you would do business with everyone that is, is uh, here that would be seeking you and need counsel from you. We love you and we praise you for this day and this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer over 2020 and decisions you've got, uh, things you're facing, 
Maybe it's easy, maybe it's difficult, or maybe you're excited about the year, and you just, man, Joel, I want prayer covering over this coming year. I want to meet you right over here, and, and we'll pray together.